Hey, what's up everybody? It's Jeff Grammer with the Albuquerque Journal and abqjournal.com. Glad you're listening to episode 25 here of the Talking Grammar Podcast. Been a while since the last one. I realized that. I know, I know. Um, holidays, some busy off-the-court issues to deal with lately, and uh, just life in general kind of got in the way of getting you another podcast in the last several weeks. But I'm back now, and this episode is a fun one for me. Hope you guys enjoy it as well. It's not just Lobo Basketball-specific. But uh, I do think that it was time to maybe share a little bit more um, about a familiar face around the pit, a guy who's been coming around for for eight years now, and that's Air Force head coach Dave Pilipovich, who I am not afraid to admit has for a long time been probably my favorite coach in the Mountain West Conference. He's a funny guy. He uh, He's coached. I, I think he's a good coach. I, I think he does a really good job with the Falcons. But I, I wanted to maybe shed some light to – to the listeners to, of this podcast, many of you I know are, are Lobo fans, not all of you, but many of you are, and I wanted to shed some light on on what it's like for a coach coaching at a service academy, and it is a different gig than his Mountain West peers. There, there aren't as many conversations about NBA draft picks and, and recruiting wins on the recruiting trail and stuff like that. When I talk with Dave Pilipovich, he's telling me about um, Zach Coker, who was a guard on the team just a couple years ago, and how he's a fighter pilot now. He's telling me about guys who are who are now serving or, or recently deployed for instance um he he talks about those kind of things he's talking about guys that as, as he puts it he has a a good dry sense of humor and as, he, as he'll tell you he's all, all the players that play for him are way smarter than he is and um they're they're just wired a little differently and that's that's what the headline in the story that i wrote that kind of accompanies this podcast that's going to be in saturday's albuquerque journal is is what it's like coaching service academy at a service academy. What the players are like, what the cadets are like. It is a different gig than every other job in the Mountain West, and I wanted to shed some light on that. So that's what I did today. Uh, brought you a conversation that I had with Air Force basketball coach Dave Pilipovich at the back end of the interview. It is about a 25-minute interview. First several minutes are sort of his background, and and then we get into you know his. His, some of the service he does with Coaches vs. Cancer, and he, he and his wife have a lot of charity work that they do um, for cancer research in the Colorado Springs community. And we talk about his, you know, just some of the past memories he has of, of some of the teams that have played against the Lobos through the years. He has some snake memories, just like about everybody around the Mountain West Conference. And and I do think Lobo fans would like to hear a couple of the examples he gives of of what kind of players play for him at the academy because he used Lobo games as examples. And and I think you guys will enjoy that to get a, a good fresh perspective on on what it's like coaching at a service academy. At the end he actually asks me as well about um you know the big question is who who's my five month old daughter gonna pick? Because for those that don't know I I pick games with basing it on all my knowledge of the Mountain West and all my expertise as a college basketball writer and, and an AP voter and I use all all of that and I am at five hundred right now. I'm twelve, twelve and one with my picks against the point spread in the Mountain West. My ten year old daughter, who for several years has been challenging me by flipping a coin, she's tied with me right now. I think we're tied at twelve, twelve and one, or maybe she's one game behind me, I think it is. And my new daughter, my five month old daughter, we hold a toy in front of her, uh, one in the left hand, one in the right hand, and whichever one she picks first is the game she wins or who she's picking as a winner if it's the right hand it's the road team so she is and we only do one game with her not all five games of the mountain west slate every every saturday or anything like that we just do one game at a time with her and she is now four and one so dave uh 
Dave Pulipovich, as other coaches around the Mountain West, um, pay attention to her picks. And he he asked me, who's who's your daughter picking? So that's where we're at with this. Um, Dave's a good guy. He's a guy that does ask about family. He's a guy that's you know beloved by other coaches around the league. I did talk to Paul Weir about him. Nothing but positive things to say about him. For those that don't know the story, Paul Weir, his first two seasons as head coach at UNM, sent out handwritten letters to all the opposing coaches in the Mountain West. When they came to Albuquerque, he invited them to dinner, something he got from Lou Henson, who, by the way, as I record this intro on a Friday, uh, it's his 88th birthday, so happy birthday, Lou Henson. But Paul Weir got from Lou Henson uh, just basically inviting the opposing coach to dinner the night before games when you when you're in that coach's hometown, so... The only two coaches that took him up on it in the first couple of years were Dave Pilipovich at Air Force and Leon Rice at Boise State. So Paul Weir's a guy who's often spoke highly of Dave Pilipovich, just his, his character, his personality, his spirit. And um, that's he's not alone. A lot of people do speak highly of Dave. So that's why I wanted to bring that to you on the back end after this interview, which is about 25 minutes long. On the back end of it, I will talk a little more about Lobo basketball and about some of the players who are playing well right now and and heading into league play. But for now, here's my conversation with Air Force basketball coach Dave Pilipovich. I I know you and I have talked a lot like at media days and stuff like that, but I I really don't know your your basketball background as much as okay. uh, as maybe I should. I'm I'm curious. You're, you're from Pittsburgh, right? From Pittsburgh, I played Division 3 basketball and uh after playing, um, you know, my senior year, I, I, I thought I wanted to get into coaching, so I pursued a grad assistant's job, and I started at California University of Pennsylvania, which okay. is funny. There's two, two schools in PA, Cal PA and Indiana PA, but they're both <laughs> in Pennsylvania. Division two, um, GA, and then uh, I went to Florida Atlantic as an assistant and worked there for five years, and then I went to Georgia State and worked there for two Went to Robert Morse College in Pittsburgh. Uh, worked there for four. Went to Eastern Michigan. I think we were there five. Michigan, couple years. And here, I think I'm year 34 altogether. So here I am. Yeah, I mean, you've obviously, I mean, that that's a, a grinder type career. Um, yeah. Other than Michigan, none of the, the real, it's not like you had a, no. a long stint at a, at a really high high major kind of place or anything like that, right. um, or, or power conference back place. I mean, um, you, 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 uh, must love basketball, huh? <laughs> yeah, no, you know, you, it's crazy. When you, you, you move and some jobs you take and you don't even have so much money you're making. I think we moved from Georgia state to Robert Morris and division one to division one, but we were going back home. We had our son, our daughter was just, our son was born. There was two children. Our son was born in Florida. Our daughter was born in Georgia took that job and tell my wife we took a pay cut but we went back home you know and then you, you move uh, different places and what was neat about eastern michigan and michigan those schools are about five miles apart on the same road okay so we didn't have to we didn't have to move when we left eastern with the michigan you lived in the same house you just came out of the driveway and turned left instead of turning right <laughs> that's and, you don't uh, you don't have that too often not in this industry no, yeah no well, you know, great jobs, great coaches I worked for, different environments, and never was this far west until we came out here, and probably this is the most beautiful place we've ever lived, just with the city, you know, it's very similar to Albuquerque, it's the sunshine, the climate, the nice air, and great place to raise a family, we've been here 13 years and all, eight is the head coach, five's assistant, and uh, it's been fun. And you, um, so even back before that, you're a Pittsburgh guy, right? You're a Steelers fan, right? Big time Steelers fan. We struggled this year. Too many injuries. I'm worried about his Roethlisberger coming back. He looks 50 pounds overweight on the sideline. I don't know if his arm's going to be okay, his shoulder. 
We went through Duck Dynasty. We went through uh, Mason Rudolph. We just got to get it together. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm a 49er fan, so I'm enjoying I'm on the other end of the spectrum this season. It's been a while, but I, I'm enjoying it. And there's a 49ers win on Saturday. They're going to. Saturday. Great. Oh, yeah. They, they will tie the Steelers for the most division championship appearances. And that's going to be during the, your game here in Albuquerque with the Lobos. I know. I tell you, I tell you, I like the 44. Uh, um, I think Shanahan's good. I think he's good. I, oh, yeah. No, I, li- yeah. I like him a lot. I mean, look, when, when Harbaugh left, I, I think a lot of 49er fans were obviously not very happy. But I I I could live with it. I wasn't ever, as crazy as it sounds, I wasn't a huge Harbaugh fan. But uh, I like the winning. But, man, it, it's been some lean years since then. And uh, I'm, 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 I'm glad this is going. So what so. made you be a 49er fan? You're, you're, like, this isn't a joke. I, I was born in Santa Fe, just an hour up the road from here. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I was growing up, I I was told by my babysitter's um, husband, my my best friend's mom, and was my babysitter. Um, so uh-huh. so my best friend's dad was watching the game one day, and it was the yeah. 49ers. And he said, "Hey, the SF, uh, the, or he's calling the Santa Fe 49ers," and told me that was what the SF was on the helmet. I'm telling you, I was probably like six or seven before I realized Joe Montana didn't live in my town, and and Jerry Rice wasn't just down the road or something. I I thought it was the Santa Fe 49ers. So. That's beautiful. Yeah, well, that's you know, uh, that's why I'm in the industry I'm in. I'm not the smartest, uh, smartest guy around. So, <laughs> oh god, that's great though. But uh, yeah, people in, I would imagine they're cowboy fans. Oh yeah, so yeah, yeah. a lot of Denver fans, a lot of cowboy okay. fans. But the the yeah. the beauty of New Mexico, um, at least on the sports front, is outside yeah. of football, you pretty much get to pick who your who your teams are right. for right. very different reasons than just being mm-hmm. from there. So. I mean, I'm a 49er fan because I, I was dumb enough to think the SF stood for Santa Fe. Santa Fe. I, I'm a Portland Trailblazer fan in the NBA because I went to a Nuggets game um, growing up, but I knew enough not to like the Nuggets because they were bad at the time. Although, right. that's not entirely true. Doug Moe was coaching them. They had Alex English. They were actually decent, but they yeah, played the— uniforms, but they, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. they, they played the Blazers that game, so I became a Blazers fan. And then baseball, I, I happened to become a— in the year of the 87 World Series, the Cardinals played the Twins, and I was, like, yeah. really into baseball that year. And I really liked Ozzie Smith, and I really liked Kirby sure. Puckett. Um, yeah. The Twins happened to win. I said, okay, that, that's my team, and that, that's how I became a Twins fan. So Wow, you're all over the map. I know, I know. Well, yeah. that's you can say that about a lot of things with me. So. <laughs> hey, I was going to you, you're probably too young, though, but did you cross paths with Francis Schiller? When he was as a Lobo. Um, no, I've but I've met him since since doing this, since covering the Lobos at the Journal post Fran Frischilla. I've reached out to him sometimes. I did one pretty lengthy story on him when we did a kind of history of Lobo basketball, and and Fran's been great because his his time here was short and and yeah. wasn't the best of times in a lot of sure. ways. But um, he's been really gracious about you know just talking with me and and uh, he's always open to whenever I need a call or anything like that for for history of the of the program, but also just to talk. You know he's he's yeah. been uh, he's been pretty good. How do you know him? He um, you know Maryland through basketball. His son is a CSU grad. He works for USA Basketball. Yeah. So Fran's sons have come through USA Basketball. One's in uh, working with the Magic as a video guy, and the other one works for the Wildcats, the Villanova Wildcats. So. Uh, um, and Fran's just a club team we cross paths around. But he ended up moving here. He, he still is his home in Fort Worth, but he's a home now in Colorado Springs. So he yep. lives here a couple months of the year. And he came to our game right 
at the Crip New Year's Eve game and uh, uh, watch us play. And then he'll come see a practice early on in the year. And then we go to lunch when he's in the summer or so. But really good guy, really positive about everything. And, and uh, you know, the one time when he was in Manhattan, they won. He was one of the hottest coaches in the country. Yeah. Then he goes to St. John's and, and then things kind of backfired a little bit there. And then obviously, you know, he, he jokes about his time in New Mexico and, and that was it. Man, it's a different place here in New Mexico. Well, well, I want to talk to you about your experiences with New Mexico here in a little yeah. bit. But I, I kind of want to jump into now, like, I mean, I know your coaching background now. Um, <clears throat> at the academy, I mean, I imagine when, when it started, it was probably just a job. Maybe not. Maybe it was something more than that. But since you've been there, I know you talk about the, the special kind of environment that, that it is. And, and it seems to have grown on you a little bit. But maybe you always had that. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I didn't know a lot about the academies coming here, but then once I got here, it really hit me. It's just the quality of the kids we have. I mean, they're just, they're really good, and they're really smart. Obviously, to get in here, I could never get in here. I mean, they are so smart. The classes they take, the discipline, I mean, the 6 a.m. wake-up calls, the uniform of the day, the marching to lunch. I mean, you're talking about every day, not just once in a while. Every day, you're told, you know, what to do, when to do it, where to do it and what to wear when you do it, you know? So everything is kind of programmed for you. You stay on that. Our guys take 18 to 21 credit hours. So that's sometimes six or seven classes. You know, I was trying to fill four credits when I was in college, doing and three school and trying to get, you know, two electives, yeah. like an art history class. Yeah. So, and they're always reading something. They're always reading a new book, a novel, whatever it may be. They're so, they're wired differently. That's it. Well, yeah, I no. remember at Media Day this this past year, I remember sitting there at the table with you and you got Ryan Swan talking about um his summer, you know, pilots class that he, he was up in the air, said he was got up in the air and never wanted to come down. He's talking about what it took to get in there and, and, and taking a class to become a pilot. And then you got, you know, we ask all the name image likeness question because that was sort of the hot hot button yeah. topic back in October when, when the media day was. And um, yeah. you, you got Scotty, you know, basically going off on an answer that was above all of our heads because he's, a, he's yeah. a business major, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes. Yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah. Econ business, yeah. yeah. Th- those two guys just, you know, are answering questions in ways that I can tell you, and this isn't an insult <laughs> to the rest of the league. They just answered the questions in, in ways that nobody else was was there answering. And, um, you know, I, I'm sitting there just dumbfounded by it, and, and I see you sitting in between them kind of wondering what the heck they're talking about too. <laughs> they're, they're amazing. I mean, Zach Coker, you remember Zach Coker played for us a couple of years yep. back. You know, we won the game here against the Lobos, I'll never forget. And he's being guarded by Elijah Brown, and he kind of gives a little fake to the middle, and he tries Elijah for a layup, and basically that's a basket that wins the game for us. And, you know, if those two ever played one-on-one ten times, Elijah wins 11, you know? Um, <laughs> but you just beat him on that layup. And Zach now, I talked to him maybe about two weeks ago, he's flying like a billion-dollar plane. You know, he's a, he's a pilot. He's a fighter pilot. He's put in charge of this machine that's unbelievable and i'm saying oh my gosh look what these guys are doing you know well you're you're in a situation too where you know without you know politics aside and and all the specifics of what's going on in the world there there are things happening right now where where you have to be worried about your former players for for a whole lot of different reasons than than a lot of normal or usual coaches are i mean you got to be 
kind of paying attention to this kind of stuff a little differently. No I question. Would think. You know, Taylor Brokeis, who played on that team, we had was good in 12, 13. He's got deployed. He left about a month ago. Um, and that's his second deployment. And yes, you know, you're always wondering where they're, you know, like they touch base and tell you where they're at. But it's amazing what they're doing. And they're moving on. And, you know, they're getting advanced degrees. They get their MBA. Some have gone on, got their doctorate. Some are still in the, in the military at 16, 14, 12 years, eight. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, and the people they're meeting and, and working with, and, and they're all financially secure because you don't see it's paid for here. Yeah. They always had a stipend while they were here. And then and then there's financial advisors here that, that help them as they're along. So they're not just spending their money on jeans and Nikes and whatever. Yeah. They're investing their money. Some of them have bought homes. You know, I didn't buy a home until I was 32 years old. <laughs> they're buying homes when they're graduating at 22 years old and used as a rental property. And I'm not talking about a... $30,000 house. I'm talking about like a 180 to 220,000 alone. They're yeah. buying. And it's just, they're, they're wired differently. Uh, it's, it's sometimes it, it, I look at them and I say, I wish they were just as knucklehead, 18 year old, do something, you know, but, but it's just, it's, it's, it's who you draw here. I mean, we turn down 12 to 14,000 a year to want to get in. And, um, it's, it's, it's a neat place. All well, the academies are like that. Well, I think too, that people talk about, you know, the, how difficult it is to coach or recruit here mm-hmm. or there. Like you have a whole separate set of worries. Um, and, and among them, I would think, you know, I'm not asking you to, to list all the woe is me kind of stuff, but you, you yeah. don't have like that. They aren't there primarily for basketball in a lot of no. cases. They no. aren't there. No all summer long in the gym um, yes. because you can come up with a couple easy summer classes for them. And like their basketball is not number one in their mind. And, and that, that has to be tough though on a coach. It is. It is. Cause we, you know, we get them basically from two to six. Okay. And sometimes the commandant, uh, the soup may call, uh, they call them briefings. I call them meetings, a mandatory briefing at you know, two thirty, two thirty to four. I can't get them. Yeah. I gotta do that. You know, uh, we come on, you know, we go to the Bahamas to play Bimini. One day of the game, we took nine exams during that day. <laughs> nine exams. And out of our 15 guys that were there, but that's just what you have to do. I mean, there's a times we came back from the Wyoming game, our first conference road win this year, December 1st. Be Wyoming, come home, and Lavelle goes right to uh, not the library, but like a study area. Stays up till four thirty morning to type a paper that had to be due by six. And in the next day of practice, he's a walking zombie. And we got Nevada in day and a half. And he said, "Coach, I, I had to get it done." Yeah, you know, and I had to redo it. I didn't like where it was at, and that's just you know, okay, that's who we are. And I imagine too, though, that the the recruiting though. Um, and, and the fact that you guys, you know, kids have to make a decision after their, what is it, their sophomore year, if they're going to stick sophomore around. Year. Yeah. So, yeah. so you, you guys sometimes have, I guess, transfer portal problems that aren't the exact same as yes. everyone else's. I mean, they have to yeah. make a decision. What, what is the sophomore year thing? They have to, what's the commitment? Um, they have to decide because, you know, all our taxpayer money is paying for everybody to go to the academy. Everybody's on scholarship, all 4,200. So if you take, if you sit in and take, the, the night before your first class as a junior, they have what they call a commitment dinner. It's a big laid out formal dinner because that's where you sign your paper saying you're staying and you're committed to graduating and serving in the United States Air Force. Anytime prior to that day, you could say, hey, I'm leaving. I'm going. And you don't pay anything back. You don't do it. You just transfer. And that's a big time because, you know, some come without any experience in military. Most of them do. And they're playing. And then the, the hard part is if they have success as a freshman and sophomore, they're saying, hey, I can go play maybe another Division One place without the military. And maybe I can go overseas and play or do this or do that, whatever, and not do the commitment. So then they want to leave. If they're not playing, they may say, why am I doing this? I'm not even playing. Mm-hmm. So it's like a 
you know, the sword has a double-edged sword. It's yeah. a double-edged sword. You never know. Like Matt Mooney, he was a good player early. And he didn't want to – he thought he could play anywhere, and he did. And he had to go to South Dakota, and he's a great player there. And he plays for Texas Tech, plays the National Championship game. You know, and he was starting for us as a freshman. Yeah. Right? The only division one school to recruit him. And uh, then, you know, he, you know, he wanted something different. So it happens. You know, we, we lost Trey Coggins when he was here. You probably remember him. He was, oh, yeah. he was conference of scoring as a sophomore and he didn't want to do it so he goes to Fullerton and all big west players playing overseas now um so it happens but you know what the right ones stay the right ones stay you are in a position too where obviously you're, you're very high on on your job or the or the, the acad- working at the academy i'm saying but yeah. but that's not all you do i want i do want to ask you about coaches versus cancer i know you're heavily involved yeah. in that and tell me what's going yeah. on with that you're, well, you you're doing it as a matter of fact my wife kelly and i had a meeting today with our people with the regional pitchers cancer fair cancer society just the other day um you know coaches versus uh versus cancer sneaker week is coming up uh 20 to 27 but we play on the 19th at home against colorado state 18th, okay. excuse me 18th um and we're designating that as our game because we're away the next two games okay. that week and, but we're using that game and we will donate a dollar for every kick it bought to the game and we want to sell it out of 5500 and um and we use that because kelly is a volunteer on the community cancer patients and my dad passed away from cancer her mom and our biggest thing we're getting our parents to their treatments and it's hard so she's on the, what's called the road to recovery program it's sponsored by the american cancer society uh, all over the country and she volunteers hours each week to drive patients to their chemo or whatever treatment they may be if we don't have enough volunteers in the area the money we raise is used for uber or taxi services to provide that uh a service to them so they can get their treatment because without treatment we have no chance yeah. and uh and it's a big thing for us so our our game we make sure all the money stays local here in the colorado springs area and uh we provided so much money last year and rides to the people and and we're doing that again this year well that's awesome i mean obviously you guys it's one thing just to be a participant in the coaches first cancer stuff and and raise awareness but you're taking a step further i mean that that's awesome I mean, yeah. Well, we we always want to feel we can do more, and when you when you hear that news uh, with your family, and then you know the hardest part is when the doctor comes in and says they can do no more, and you know here's how much you probably got to live, and no matter how old your parent or whoever it may be, you don't want them to do. And uh, we took our team to the uh, Children's Hospital of the Cancer uh, uh, Ward this year for Christmas to visit some patients and try to make their day better. But, you know, kids should have that and, and nobody should have it. Well, hopefully we're getting closer to a cure, but that's something big in our in, in, on our plate. Well, good on you for that. That's awesome. Um, let's, uh, let me transition to a little bit about yeah. your team, and then I want to yeah. ask you one or two Lobo stories, and I'll let you go. Yeah. Um, your team this year, obviously the, the two names that I think – people around the league know for, for good reason are are Lavelle Scotty and, and Ryan Swan are yep. obviously those two guys have been playing well this year too but you have some other players that people should know about what what do you think opposing fan bases or just people should know about your team right now you know we're shooting the ball pretty well for the program I think we're third in the country not all we'll, we'll make one of the pinholes there that you watch but I think we're third in the country right now three-point percentage and um we're, we're smaller. We're smaller than everybody. You know, our post player is 6'8". That's on his tippy toes. Um, but uh, we can spread the floor. I 
think we can drive it enough that we can kick it and, and, and get open shots, and we really will make some shots in our in our wins. Obviously, our eight wins, we've shot the ball better, and we have moved the ball around. Our eight losses, you know, we have not shot the ball as well, or even defended the the arc well. But I would say, an AJ Walker, who's a sophomore point guard, he started from January on last year for us is, is a talented player, averaging double figures and a quick athletic guard. Chris Joyce and Caleb Morris are two wings. Keith Van Solen is kind of our Swiss Army knife. He does a little bit of everything. And um, we have a freshman, Mason Taylor, who's getting better playing for us. But we're small. And as you know, in the Mount West, some of the teams have gotten bigger and bigger. But I think uh, our perimeter skill set and our ability to see the ball is one of take us forward to see if we can finish higher than we did last year at six, you know, and I'll see if we don't make some shots, maybe we won't get to that point. Well, you, I mean, you guys are coming off as, as we're talking right now, this is Thursday night, but yeah. you guys are coming off a pretty special Tuesday night win. And, and that environment yeah. from what, from what I hear, that environment was pretty special. It was, it was our first day of classes. And we have a great administration with our superintendent. Our superintendent is our school president and he's a three-star general. So he's a superintendent in the art and the air force, excuse me, in our commandant. And they, they asked the cadets to come down to get them some, some passes to get out of some things and some free food. And we had, we had, cause there's some renovations in our building. So they couldn't sit in one area. Um, it's an old building, but, uh, we had over 4,600 of our best crowds since 13. And it was so loud. We're down three at halftime. We're down 12 early. Utah state make a run three at half. And then we go on a run and we're up 24 in the second half. It, I mean, and, I mean, it's amazing because obviously Utah State, the preseason favorite and all that, they aren't a team to me, even when they're struggling, that yeah. seems vulnerable to a, a 16-0 run or something like that. They just, they're sound, and it seems like they, they could have stopped that. So. And it was, I think, you know, us making a few shots, we got a few stops. I think the crowd played, a, I know the crowd played a big factor in it. To one point where I looked up and asked our assistant, is that sport right? We're up 20. I said, is that right? <laughs> he said, yeah. I said, okay. But it was a great environment for us. And, and we've had, um, you know, we, we've had some moments here in the last couple games where we have we have played well. but the, And we got rebounded by 21. And, you know, Bean's a double-double on the yeah. best in the country. Kata, we got rebounded 50 to 29. Brian, Brian at 30 and, and 11, he just played an unbelievable game. He was really, really good. Let me. I'm gonna move on now to a couple Lobo stories and let you go. I know Lobo fan. You've told me some of them at media days and stuff like that through the years, and I love them. But I want to start off with the picture hanging in the wall. If it still is, is it still in the hallway? Uh, yeah, it is. It is. All right. It's I know. I've, I've, it's, yeah. It's right there. The Todd Fletcher uh, May three and thirteen yep. last game of the year uh, against that team, the Lobos. I think they were ranked eleventh. Yep, they were like right uh, around that top ten. They that was for Lobo fans listening. That was the um, three seed. They went on to win the Mountain yes. West tournament the next week, um, yep. and they they played Harvard in the NCAA tournament, which Lobo fans want to forget. But that yeah, was uh, Harvard, yes, right? Yeah, that was Steve Alford's final year as the as the Lobos coach. In fact, his final regular season game in the Mountain West was a loss to you guys, and and that's, that's right. That's right. That's, that's, yeah. And, and it's funny, that picture is in there. And in that picture, it's it's a floor shot. And, uh, well, there's two pictures. There's a floor shot of us playing defense. And in there, you've got um, uh, Hugh Greenwood, who yeah. went on to play professional sports in Australia. But you had Snell in there, who, who's still playing the NBA, right? Yep. You had Alex Kirk, who played the NBA. Yep. You had um, Williams, right? Kendall and, Williams, yeah, Mountain West yep. Player of the Year. Yep. And then the other one, who's the, who am I missing? Was Cameron, Ber- Cameron Bershaw. Bershaw, right, who played in the NBA. Yep. And my son was younger. I thought he was 26, not 27. But right when we put that up a couple 
months later, then we had only five guys. Okay, we played with Brooke Ice, who's an operations officer. Mike Lyons, who played the G League, but uh, he's a reservist now. Todd Fletcher is a financial analyst in the Air Force, and Fitzgerald financial analyst, and we had another maintenance guy. And he said to me, he said that, he said, they got five pros on the floor. Yeah, you, you, have five, you have five Air Force guys, and you beat them. How'd that happen? That's a shot call. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, that's one of the, I mean, that, that really was one of the best probably starting fives in, in the Mountain West through the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they, that said, even other Mountain West, uh, strong teams, not just some of the stronger Lobo teams, they, they go to, they go to Clune and struggle. Yeah, I know. And we, you know, and, and I guess the, the local paper here just did a top 10 decade sports, uh, moments. I guess that shot that Fletcher made at the end. Cause our friend, he made it. And then the, is, okay. They reviewed it. Is he inbounds? Is he a three? And it was. And then I think there's 2.1 left. Yeah. I think so, yeah. And, and Snell actually split us a little bit and got the shot off, you know, and it missed. And the crowd rushed to court, and Noodles and Steve went out the other side. They were so great about it, you know, and kids jumped over the railing. But I think that that moment was in the top ten. They said it was voted here as one of the moments in sports uh, for the decade. I'll bet, man. That was good. I remember it, and, I mean, that was – the, that environment that year, and it wasn't just there; it was all around the league that year. Yes, um, there, league, there yeah. were sellouts. There were, I mean, it was great. Yes. That was that was a fun year. The league's had some trouble since then getting back to that, but uh, yeah. it's not for a lack of some talent. There's some good teams again this year, so no question, no um, question. There is. I will ask you now. the The question I love asking you is: Can you give us a story about Snake? Snake. Oh my gosh. Well, there's a couple I can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> the one time when he called up here and was looking for tickets for the Mountain West tournament, and then the one time he called and he wanted, uh, he was uh, he was incarcerated because he got picked up for solicitation. Yep, yep. <laughs> but the one that is, he meets us that year. He meets us in our shoot around. Uh, when we came down, there was an evening game, and the, we come at noon or at, at 12, 11 a.m. and he meets the bus. He shoot around, just berates us, you know, as we come off. And it's great. It's fun. It's all fun. He's decked out and everything. And then he meets the bus. We come back at 5:30 for a seven o'clock game. And then afterwards, the Lobos beat us as we're walking up the ramp to get on the bus. He's shouting everybody, shaking hands, and and telling our guys how proud he is of them and how he appreciates what they're going to do in several country. He's he's a funny guy, and yeah. he if if I'm not mistaken, what wasn't your first get? You were interim in what 2012, I think. Yes, 11, 12. Yes, 11, 12. Wasn't your one of your first games right after that? Yes, um, coming down, we we beat uh, Wyoming. Well, we lost the boys. We beat Wyoming. Uh, then beat San Diego State. They were ranked, and then we came down to the pit. And, uh, yeah, and, and, and it's all over us. <laughs> he's a uh, he's a funny guy. He's um he's still there, right? Oh yeah, he's still here. He's yeah, back. I saw him on film uh, the Fresno game. He was standing between the cheerleaders. He, yeah, he's he's pretty much a part of the cheerleading squad now because yeah. where he stands, they, you know, they're moving around him. And uh-huh. uh, now Snake's back, and and I know he's uh I'm sure he's looking forward to seeing you. And um, yes. That's uh, I look forward to it too. Um, I know Saturday Great. afternoon game, but I, I appreciate you doing this. I sort of want to no let problem. people know. And, and the big thing is, will your daughter pick us? Saturday? Well, that's a good question because I'll tell you what. So my ten-year-old daughter, as you know, beat me a couple yeah. years ago. Um, she didn't beat me last year, but right now she and I are tied. But now I got a new daughter. I got a five-month-old who I basically my my do- my ten-year-old daughter holds two toys in front of her. And right. we go right hand road team, left hand will be the home team. So if she picks whatever toy is in in the right hand, we just pick the road team. So you guys, uh, Air Force fans, better be rooting for the for the right hand toy because right hand toy. Yeah, because she is four and one in picks. My five month old daughter is four and one picking That's Mountain awesome. West games. So. That's awesome. Well, enjoy your fam, man. I appreciate what you do and how you do it, and uh, 
it's it's uh you know good guys like you make it fun i appreciate you dave you're the best man thanks thanks so. bye right, bye All right, well, there you go. There was my conversation with Dave Pilipovich, the Air Force men's basketball coach. Hope you enjoyed that. Hope you guys, uh, hope you guys got to know a little something about an opposing coach who who might be a familiar face to some some Lobo fans, some readers, and some some college basketball fans who who see Dave either in the pit or, or just around the Mountain West in general. He's a good guy, um, enjoyable guy, and, and always pleasant to talk to. So I'm glad maybe sharing some of those stories about what it's like coaching cadets at the Air Force Academy is something that that interests you. These are the stories, these are the conversations around the Mountain West and around covering Lobo basketball that I want to bring that don't always find their way into print. They don't always lend themselves to a game story or to a, to a feature between games um, while covering this league and while covering Lobo basketball primarily. So these are the things that this podcast is made for, these conversations, and I'm glad that uh, Dave is willing to do this. So hope you enjoyed that. They play, as I said, the Air Force Falcons play the Lobos on Saturday afternoon in Dreamstyle Arena. That conversation with Dave Pilipovich obviously isn't really hanging on, um, you know, listening to before the Lobo game. You can listen to it whenever. It's not really game specific. But uh, the Lobos and Falcons do play Saturday. Right now, obviously, as, as most of, again, most of you guys that listen to this podcast are, I realize, followers of Lobo basketball, if not Lobo fans. And the Lobos are 14-3 and overall right now. They are three and one in Mountain West Conference play, and they are eleven and zero in the pit this year. The only other time that a Mountain West or that a New Mexico Lobo team has started twelve and zero in the twenty-one year era of Mountain West basketball was the two thousand five two thousand six team. So, no Fran Fraschilla, no Craig Neal, no Steve Alford team ever did it. Richie McKay had the only twelve and zero start at the pit since the Mountain West era began in the 99-2000 season. And on Saturday afternoon, the Lobos under Paul Weir go for that. So make of that whatever you want. Um, This is, whether you like the schedule or you don't like the schedule or you're indifferent, this is a good start to any season. This is a good start at home to the season for the Lobos. And obviously they're hoping they they get that rolling. Now they've they've hit some, some bumps in the road along the way. Obviously, the suspension of starting point guard J.J. Caldwell, that is still ongoing. The three-game suspension of Carlton Bragg, that was lifted before Tuesday's game, which was ended up being a win over Fresno State, that is past Lobo basketball now. That's in the rearview mirror, but Carlton certainly did not have a good game on Tuesday night. He had been away from the team, not only away from playing, but away from team activities for about three weeks, so understandable. He also had plenty on his mind as a district attorney in Alamogordo in the 12th Judicial District, still reviewing his case for possible charges, which um, as noted in in the coverage in the Albuquerque Journal, in the Santa Fe New Mexican, and the TV stations, um, some serious allegations. A 20-year-old female accusing him of trying to have sex with her against her will back in August that she reported in November. Police did not see enough evidence to to arrest him or to charge him. He has not been charged with anything, but they did hand the case over to the DA who has not yet decided whether or not to press charges. That case got sent down to the 12th Judicial District because of a conflict of interest that Raul Torres, the local district attorney, have, has in handling the case because his wife, Nasha Torres, is the dean of students at UNM. She oversees player discipline and student discipline in general. She also oversees the discipline of and potential discipline of J.J. Caldwell, 
who is still on indefinite suspension. He, his suspension has not been lifted by UNM. He, like Carlton, has not been charged with the crime. He is accused by an ex-girlfriend of getting physical. Um, his, the police report charges him with misdemeanor battery against a household member for an alleged incident on December 14th in his apartment. And same thing as Bragg's case that has been conflicted out to the 12th Judicial District in Alamogordo. DA there has not yet made a decision on whether or not to proceed with charges, but like the Carlton Bragg case, J.J. Caldwell was not charged by police when they got the evidence and the police report. They did not decide to charge him with the crime at the time and have not done so yet. So those two cases are ongoing. That uh, Those are topics for, for another podcast, another time, and there have been plenty of plenty of coverage about those two cases over the past several weeks. I'm going to move on at this point, talking about Lobo basketball as the Mountain West play gets rolling. Now, the other roadblock that they've they've kind of stumbled across um, was one week ago when they lost on the road to San Jose State University. San Jose State is a horrible, consistent through the years, has just been overall bad kind of basketball team, and that's all fans seem to know about them is, man, that's a bad team. I'll tell you what, this is not a bad San Jose State team. They, as 29-point underdogs, went to San Diego a couple weeks ago, San Jose State did, and lost on a buzzer beater to Malachi Flynn. That is the only reason the number seven in the country, seventh-ranked San Diego State Aztecs, are still undefeated and in first place in the Mountain West is because they got a, a shot with about one second left on the clock, I think is when Malachi Flynn sh- fired it up and hit a three-pointer to beat San Jose State in Viejas Arena. So they were a buzzer beater away from beating San Diego State. They beat the New Mexico Lobos on their home court by three last week. That was on New Year's Day, January 1st. On Wednesday night, they beat the Steve Alford coach, Nevada Wolfpack, who was undefeated in league play at the time. And this is, this is like it or not, believe it or not, this is a good San Jose State basketball team. Right now, they are 2-3 and three in league play, but uh, they're, they're going to get some more wins. I'd be, sh- I'd be shocked, I'd be surprised if, if they don't pick up a few more wins along the way. But still, overall, that is not a good loss for the New Mexico Lobos. They did not play well in that game. They, they jumped out to a huge lead and then... Pretty much were awful after about the first 10 minutes. The middle 20 minutes of the game from about the 10-minute mark in the first half until the 10-minute mark of the second half, they were just a really, really lackadaisical, low-energy basketball team. And they let Richard Washington for San Jose State just go off from three on them. He hit seven of them career high, and that has been kind of a weak spot for the Lobos for a long time is they let one player go off on them from three-point range, and if they do that Saturday against Air Force, they're in trouble. Air Force is the number three team in the country in three-point shooting percentage, and they are a very good offensive team. In fact, as of Friday morning, they were slightly above San Diego State in the Mountain West Conference in terms of offensive efficiency, according to KenBomb.com. I I think that's maybe actually shifted today after some other games have factored into the computer kind of algorithm there. But anyway, the, the fact is Air Force is a top 35 in the country, top 35 ranked offense. Their defense is awful, though. They are 328th in the country in defense, defensive efficiency, which is the worst in the Mountain West. So either way, I do think that should be a probably a, a high-scoring game on Saturday. And I think the Lobos, now that... They have Carlton Bragg back for a second game. He should be a little bit more to in his old form, I would say, 
as a basketball player anyway, maybe still a little distracted, but I think physically he, he has another several days of, of practice and, and just kind of getting used to game plans again and, and the routine again. He has that under his belt. I think he will be better than he was on Tuesday night against Fresno State. And he and Corey Manigold have been two, arguably the two best big men in the Mountain West Conference um, as, as a tandem this season. Now, Utah State, which has been struggling, has a great player in Justin Bean out of nowhere that nobody saw that coming. And now that Nemias Escada is back, you know, they might have the two best kind of big man combination in the league. But uh, overall, Corey Manigal and Carlton Bragg are are that in my mind right now. And, and as long as they keep doing that, the Lobos are going to have a good chance. The breakout player of the last five games, and really the last two in particular, is, is Vance Jackson. What I wrote about in Friday's paper in the Albuquerque Journal and abqjournal.com slash sports is with the headline, Van, you know, Vegas Vance is back. For those that remember last year, Vance Jackson was almost unstoppable in the two games the Lobos played in the Mountain West tournament. He actually became the first player in Mountain West history, then a 20-year history, to make the Mountain West all-tournament team with his team not even advancing at least to the semifinals. So he was that good. People thought that would be, you know, the Vance Jackson from the start of the season this year, but it wasn't. In fact, over the first 12 games of the year, Vance Jackson hit double-figure scorings only twice. In the past five games, he's hit double-figure scoring each time for five straight games, and the last two, the San Jose State loss and the Fresno State win, he's had 25 and 13. So he actually had 29 and 13 on on. Tuesday night against San or against Fresno State and hit six three-pointers. So 25 points and 13 rebounds in back-to-back games is as good as anybody in the league is playing right now. So for two games, that's been Vance Jackson. Now that Carlton Bragg is back, we'll see if that kind of if that was a byproduct of more opportunity on the floor for a guy like Vance or what it was. But I think the bigger shift that is worth talking about and people need to understand as global basketball moves forward and and probably is doing so at this point with the understanding that J.J. Caldwell may not be coming back. They don't know, but in, in case he's not, they're moving forward with J. Quan Lyle as their primary point guard. By doing so, his scoring's probably going to go down a little bit. He is their leading scorer right now at 17, I think, point one, But 17 points a game um, is what J. Quan Lyle is averaging right now. I think that will go down with him as the primary point guard. But as you saw Tuesday when he had 10 assists, He's the only Mountain West player, by the way, this season to have two double-digit assist games. But as you saw with that 10 assist game, he is he's going to run the offense, and he's very good at it. I know some people have problems with his defense, but what you can't question is his offensive ability. He's a very good scorer, but also very good, better than anyone on the roster, at getting everyone else involved when he needs to. So as with him as the primary point, the reason they didn't do that from the start was he, you know, he is coming off an Achilles injury. He is a guy that probably overall his long-term basketball career is is probably better suited as a combo guard and maybe off the ball a little bit more. But uh, they can't afford to do that now. He is a guy that's going to play a large number of minutes, 35-plus every game, as the primary point moving forward. And with that, Vance Jackson slides into some opportunities that maybe Jaquan Lyle was getting before um, offensively. So those high-scoring Lyle games... Maybe those shift over to Vance Jackson now, and that's that's sort of what the Lobos are looking at moving forward. As long as their offense is playing at its potential, they have a chance to play and compete and with anybody in the league, including San Diego State. I wouldn't project them to beat San Diego State, you know, the old 
10 times out of 10 kind of thing. How many times would the team beat them? The, the Lobos wouldn't lose all 10 games. They they probably wouldn't be at 500 with them right now. But, uh, you know, I, I think the Lobos could probably pick three out of out of 10 games and uh, the way the two teams are playing right now with San Diego State. So I think the Lobos have the best chance to knock off San Diego State in the Mountain West Conference. San Diego State's playing at a, a high level. They are the best team in the league right now. But right now in second place, a three-way tie, according to record, is New Mexico, Nevada, and UNLV. New Mexico at its best because of its offense, not because of its defense. I get their defense isn't great, but because of their offense and their high-level offense, I think New Mexico has the best chance to make a run at San Diego State. And if they don't get in their own way, I do think that New Mexico will end up finishing second place in the Mountain West Conference. Now, there's a long way to go. We're, we're talking four games into the season. Some teams have played five um, into an 18-game conference schedule. So still got a long way to go. But the Lobos are, in my mind, in a good position. Coming off a bad loss, yes. But if you look at their losses this year, one is to Auburn, ranked top five in the country right now, along with San Diego State, the only undefeated team left in Division I basketball. Now, that was a blowout, the horrible loss is in Brooklyn, just awful loss. No excuses, nothing else to say about it other than they they just got dominated. But it was to the number five team in the country. They bounced back, they beat Wisconsin the next day. Their other loss to UTEP by one basket. Their other loss to San Jose State by one basket. Two road losses by only a basket. That's not a horrible resume. They aren't getting into the NCAA tournament as an at-large team unless they beat San Diego State and really make a good run in Mountain West play. But my point is they have a good resume probably for an NIT berth at worst, and they still have a chance to get into the NCAA tournament. There's a lot ahead of the Lobos. Um, they got to avoid injuries. They got to keep Carlton Bragg on the court and, and all those kind of things. But if you ask me the way Vontae Hendricks, who probably had his first off game against uh, Fresno State the other night, with Vontae Hendricks coming off the bench, and you got guys like Keith McGee at times can can be the energy guy off the bench. Even Octavian Percy off the bench is good. Corey Manigal the Carl, or Carlton Bragg, one of those two guys off the bench. The Lobos roster is as good as any in the league outside of San Diego State, and that's why I think that they still have a have a good chance. As I say all that, Air Force in the pit on Saturday is one of the worst matchups for the Lobos all year because they can hit threes at every position. And so when the Lobos leave all this space on the perimeter for guys to shoot threes, this team, Air Force, is one of the teams that can make them pay for it. Now, luckily for the Lobos, Air Force has a really bad defense, and I don't think that's going to sneak up and, and bite the Lobos like maybe it would in another year, but we'll see. We can revisit this on the next podcast. As far as this podcast goes, look, keep giving me feedback, guys. Keep sending in those emails, those social media um, suggestions and, and thoughts on the podcast, who you might want to hear me interview next, who you want me to talk to in the future. I will get Dan McHale, the, uh, the assistant coach of the Lobos, pretty soon. I've been talking to him for weeks about doing it, and and I've been the reason it hasn't happened. So nothing, nothing with him. It's just been me. So I will get Dan McHale on the podcast soon. We will talk a little bit about Lobo defense and his background as a Patino, Rick Patino uh, coaching tree disciple. So he will be on one of the upcoming episodes. I appreciate you listening to this episode on Dave Pilipovich. Um, please keep keep reading on the journal. Obviously, the emptying the notebook column gets great traffic. I, I hope you guys are enjoying that after every game online on abqjournal.com sports. 
but also subscribe, you know, help out local journalism a little bit. We are the ones that are still, still trying to bring you the stories of the teams you follow, and you're not going to get the coverage of your local teams around the Mountain West or around college basketball or high school basketball or all the other stuff we cover um, on, on ESPN, on CBS Sports, on all these national outlets. They're not covering the local teams like we are, so I hope you guys give us a chance. Subscribe to your local newspapers. Um, keep reading us online, and until next time, thanks for listening to the Talking Grammar Podcast.